welcome to the Science Witch Podcast, where we explore how science and witchcraft intersect, interact, and affirm one another. I'm your co-host, Enku. And I'm your co-host, Angel. And this is our 24th episode, brought to you by a witch who happens to be a scientist and a scientist who is also a witch. For this episode, Inku and I got to interview the Tenacious Unicorn Ranch, a queer ranch and farm collective that is bringing these endangered skills of ranching and living close to the land to queer and trans youth. It was really awesome getting to meet them because they were one of the charities at Biggest Little Fur Con I attended back in October. They are a safe haven for trans and queer youth who are experiencing houselessness and homelessness, they were collecting donations to be able to fund building more fencing. And they had all these wonderful pictures of their cute alpaca. But it was really cool to see that someone is being able to share these really important skills that you usually only see in very rural areas being taught to queer and trans people. Yeah, yeah. I think that was really one of the things that was really inspiring about the Tenacious Unicorn Ranch is that they are in rural rural areas. They're living and, and thriving and creating community in rural spaces. And so often we we stereotype urban areas as the only safe space for queer people. And there's this sort of narrative of leaving and abandoning rural areas if you, if someone is queer. And, you know, there are all sorts of projects like this one that are inviting queer people back into rural spaces where a lot of us come from. Wasn't there a project back in Mississippi that was similar to this that you wanted to mention? Oh, totally. Yeah. Camp Sister Spirit was a project in Mississippi run by radical feminists who were also witches. And yeah, they that was sort of my introduction, both to queer space, like overtly queer space, and also really to magic and to living close to the land in a way that was inclusive and, and celebrating of people outside of a really narrow, narrowly defined sense of like what rural can be. It was... One of the one of the formative experiences of my life, yeah. And similarly to the Tenacious Unicorn Ranch, they were attacked by local communities. They were even sued. They were on Oprah. Janet Reno came in. The Lesbian Avengers had to come in to try and protect them, to work in service of protecting the space for queer people against the backdrop of really hostile folk. The project sort of as leadership turned over and it was difficult to bring people out into Ovet, Mississippi, where it was. Um, it just went through a difficult financial period. And I think the leaders out there decided to that they needed to pursue other options. So yeah. it is really sad that it's not there. But they actually mended a lot of those previous hostilities oh. and people who had been really legally and even sometimes physically violent against them were taking their kids out to Camp Sister Spirit to hang out with the lesbian witches. And it's really a story of overcoming a lot of a lot of the homophobic and misogynist and other types of of exclusion and violence in rural Mississippi. Yeah. And Mississippi, of course, has been on my mind recently, as we both know, with (laughs) so any of y'all out there listening i urge you to light a candle to any strong motherly deity segment comes to mind that protects women and children and bridget so that the supreme court does not completely roll back 50 years of reproductive rights in the united states unfortunately things aren't looking good right now they're not. Uh, they're looking. They're looking very bad. And it, it also, don't you know that it's Mississippi that is the state that leads this charge? I'm just in that regard wanted to encourage folks that can donate to 
some of the organizations in Mississippi that are fighting for reproductive rights. I can put some resources in the show notes if you are interested in helping to support people in Mississippi access reproductive freedom, because as I've been going to a lot of these reproductive rights marches and being involved in the reproductive rights movement for a really long time. In fact, my mother actually was on the local news talking about protect Roe v. Wade in Mississippi. And I'm so proud of my mom that she's really taking a stance to support reproductive rights in such a hostile environment. Because of course, on the other side was a white cis man trying to say that women in Mississippi never should have abortions, like he has any say in the matter. So anyway, I just thought I'd bring that up as it is something relevant to both of us and many, many other people, of course. Before we get to the interview, we wanted to talk about Patreon. We have more stickers, including the Norse goddess Edun, art by me, and the Morgan and Hecate by my sister-in-law, Christiane. I had planned about talking about Edun in one of these episodes, but I wanted to wait until we could circle back to harvest time of the year to do the apple mm-hmm. goddess justice. And we'll be discussing Hecate and the Morgan with Courtney Weber in an upcoming episode. So stay Which tuned I'm for that. I'm super excited about. Me too. I'm I want to really I'm, ready for that episode. Me too. I am going to see her on this upcoming Saturday at one of the witchy events in Portland, the Other Worlds oh, of Wonder. Great. Awesome. Yeah, I can put a link to that in the show notes if you happen to be in the Pacific Northwest and want to go check it out. It's going to be in Cornelius, Oregon. And Other Worlds of Wonder is the organization that puts on the Columbia Willamette Pagan Pride up in Portland. But yes, so we'll be talking about those two goddesses. And then I am currently working on a sticker of the Kaliak, the Celtic goddess of winter, and also a Celtic spider goddess, which has become a new goddess to me. I didn't know about this goddess until I watched the show Cursed. And then it opened up this entire rabbit hole into the Kaliak, who's a really ancient goddess. Like she's even more ancient than I think we actually even know, but she's the crone of winter. And I hope to have this art done in time for January, but for the holidays, we will soon have available holiday postcards of Mary Lude, the Welsh holiday horse skeleton and the Krampus, which is a German Christmas demon that eats bad children. We'll be sending out all of these to our Patreons and guests who come on the show as a thank you for supporting the project. If you are interested in getting these cards to send out for your own holiday cards, keep a lookout on our Etsy shop. Additionally, we have a Redbubble account for some of the designs from our Scion of Science series. So if you're interested in getting a Lou shower curtain or a Bast throw pillow. And we still have two teas on offer for any supporters at the Science Witch Coven level, which is $10 a month, brought to you by Goat and Thistle Organic Herbal Teas in rural South Georgia. One is a grounding tea with Tulsi and Blackberry, and the other is a blend of potent herbal allies for healing the energetic heart and balancing emotions. I definitely can use at the moment. You know, <laughs> it's, it's an emotional time. I think we all need a little balance. Agreed. Definitely. And we wanted to share this amazing review on iTunes that we got, which was really, really nice. I'm really excited sweet. to see people are starting to spread the news. I feel a cu- the last few Wild Witches episodes where I was at various different conventions doing different things that I then syndicated on the podcast really helped kind of get the word out. So thank you for, if you're a new listener and you're just now joining us, we really appreciate you listening. But I wanted to read this review from Haggis Reflux. They say... An absolute gem of a podcast. This podcast does a marvelous job of weaving together so many absolutely important threads on the loom of witchcraft. 
from science and social justice to food and even the furry fandom. I have found each episode to be an exhilarating nexus of topics which are near and dear to my heart with a soothing and thoughtful tone, which is like NPR's earthier and eminently more interesting cousin. The Science Witch podcast has a quickly become one of my favorite companions on the daily commute. So thank you so much, Haggis Reflex. Please reach out to us via social media, or you can email us at questions at Science Witch Podcast with your address. And we'd love to send you a sticker of your choice to thank you for this review. And if you would like to leave us a review, we'll be happy to send you a sticker and read your review on the podcast. That was just lovely. Absolutely lovely. Yeah, it feels really good to see more people enjoying this content that we're putting out. We're not just like screaming out into the void and no one is listening. <laughs> now on to our interview. On their website, the Tenacious Unicorn Ranch described themselves as a trans and queer haven in rural West Clef, Colorado, where LGBTQIA plus individuals can escape the cishet world surrounded by hundreds of cute fluffy animals gorgeous views of majestic mountains and rolling hills. For this interview, we got to talk to Penny and Jay. Penny was the found founder and I'd say visionary who saw alpaca as a basis to build a safe haven for trans and queer folks. Well, Jay heads up permaculture and helps to make sure the community is resilient through many struggles, including the climate transition, which is certainly something we all need to be considering. Yep. One of the things I was most impressed by was their regenerative approach, working literally at the roots of the issue by rebuilding soil and opening possibilities for healing at every level. They joined us over Zoom for this interview. For this episode, we have the amazing folks behind the Tenacious Unicorn Ranch. And I, I met y'all at a convention and y'all were one of the charities for the convention and got some of the information about your ranch. And it just intrigued me so much and it excited me. So I'm really excited to get to have this conversation and learn more about y'all's project. So first off, can y'all just introduce yourselves to the listeners and tell us a little bit about yourselves and the, the tenacious unicorn ranch yeah uh i'm jay she they i'm sort of the permaculturalist here so anything involving gardening and things like that and i uh, help out with security and stuff like that i mean we all wear a lot of hats around here you kind of have to so this is like a hundred other things we all could do or say we do i guess i'll the answer to that question earlier i guess i would consider myself kind of a secular animist just in the sense of uh, kind of following, but not appropriating like the more indigenous way of looking in, at the world. Uh, yeah. Just it's, uh, better social, socially, better ecologically, et cetera. So, yeah. Um, and my name is Penny Logue. Um, I founded the Tenacious Unicorn Ranch. Um, I kind of run the day-to-day -day here. Uh, it, it, it is a total group effort. I'm just more direction big picture and direction and passing on the skills that i have uh, after kind of a lifetime learning about ranching and the, the various projects that we have going on all the time <laughs> i'm irish pagan and I, I don't know like i'm 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 an atheist irish pagan like i don't know <laughs> and I, you know i think that that you know colors anything that you do like um but having an outlook for long, the longevity of the planet that we live on and all that uh, colors what we yeah. do here quite a bit. Uh, and so that is kind of in our day-to-day -day purview, I suppose. But yeah, and yeah. that's that's my day, yeah. <laughs> so can you start off by telling the listeners about the Tenacious Unicorn Ranch and what it is and why you started it? Uh, for sure. So the Tenacious Unicorn Ranch started directly because of the increase in violence towards the queer community during the first two years of the Trump administration. I knew I wanted to do something. I, for a minute, I thought I was just going to create, like build a, a school bus into a mobile home 
and me and my two girlfriends would then just kind of go nomad as as a way to kind of protect ourselves. But I, I don't know, like, I, that's kind of lifeboating in a situation that, like, you look around and, like, what we need is community, what we need is stability, and, and what we need is dignity, right? Like, I mean, to be able to work our own land and produce our own wares and self-sustain, I, I think that's the answer, not running away perpetually. And, and so I found a ranch for rent uh, in Livermore, Colorado, and we just kind of started. Um, I, I had always wanted to do a homestead of my own, so I had a lot of the I, a lot of the homework necessary for this kind of a project was already done. I just scaled up those that model a little bit to try to include housing for homeless or at-risk folks and a and an actual anarchist community as well. And you know we're in year three, um, and so far so good. We've, we've learned a lot. We've grown a lot. Survived a lot, and the project continues. Uh, it's it's going really well. Yeah, I noticed as I was reading up about y'all that you went from renting to now owning the lands that you're ranching on? Yeah, that was a hard jump. None of us came into this wealthy. You, you know yeah. what I mean? I had, I, I was privileged enough to own half of a house um, that I sold uh, in order to fund the startup of everything. So we, we, we came in with that mind, you know? But it's in a new location, is it? Oh, it's still in the new, desert. That's what I was talking about. Sorry, I got like I got the thing. I was like, God damn, how did we do this? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so we we started more. with we started with enough like way way more north. In fact, on the Wyoming border, and we're now oh. on the New Mexico border, and, and so very different <laughs> weather and everything. But also, we were kind of locked into this weird rental agreement where we couldn't change anything, so we couldn't. We couldn't improve on the barn. We couldn't build a new barn. We couldn't. Uh, we couldn't put up more than forty uh, than the ten acres of fencing that we put up, kind of before asking permission. And so they, like, you know, it was it was like this constant fight to be a ranch there. And then they also, it was like a rent to own situation, and they got weird about that as well. And so um, we ended up losing a lot of money, and it was kind of in an emergency mode that we were just like, nope, like we're gonna jump, we're gonna jump the plan up a little bit and just buy a house now. We weren't like as saved up as we wanted to be. It was also like right when the pandemic broke. So we oh. were like trying to move the entire project as lockdown was starting. And just like, there was nothing of it. Like you couldn't rent anything, you couldn't, you know. So it was just this like scramble of, again, you know, like going to the community and being like, hey, like, Anybody got a truck? Because this, like, we we broke our Dodge twice, hauling wow. everything over. Like, we blew two radiators out of it. So it was just, yeah, it, it was, you know, like you do what you have to do, but making that jump from renting and feeling all of that shit that you feel from landlords, right? Is like you can't change anything. You can't follow your passion or your dreams. Like you know, you have to conform or whatever. Uh, and going to a space that we actually, when we need to do something, we can just do it. Like we don't, we don't have to run it by anybody. It's just us. Like you mentioned on like changing the terms and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, we lost quite a bit of money on that. But, but yeah, I, that was one of the most forward momentum things for us. Period was making that leap to actually owning as opposed to renting. And it was harrowing. Like you know. Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like it. You had to go through a lot. And so you moved from the northern part of the state to the southern part of the state. So you went from kind of like the plains to more of the desert. Well, no, I mean, we stayed in the mountains all, uh -huh. all the way across. So we were in, I mean, we were now more desert, I suppose, yeah. than like high Rockies. It's high but... desert that intersects uh, going to because we do have a mountain range here we, we're in a valley yeah. in between two mountain ranges actually yeah. uh and so 
we are high desert, but a very lush high desert. Oh, that's nice. Um, we're, we were definitely, like, we're a thousand feet higher here than we were there. So ecologically, that's, like, just a huge amount of difference, but it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like it, like, day to day. Yeah. So one thing that we were curious about is bringing more people into your community and, like, who are you looking for to be a part of the community and how long-term is it for people yeah, what is that sense of community that y'all have built look like? Well, kind of some different levels. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, that is like the eternal question and the hardest part of a project like this is, and we're definitely like learning on the fly, but those social interactions and that social relationship makes or breaks a project. Like it really does. We, uh, on paper, we have a year-long kind of wait to be a member, like to actually like live permanently and be a part of like decision-making and all that kind of stuff on the ranch, where that typically that looks like people come and volunteer in two-day to seven-day long chunks over the course of a year, and we get to know them and get to know like if they're a good fit, we get to work with each other because we don't want any surprises, you know, and unfortunately that just takes time. We do have emergency housing that we offer when it's available. That's in like a, I am homeless now, or I am in danger now situation. We can bring people up, warm place to sleep, food. We try to keep that like a three month window of uh, just get back on your feet, find somewhere to go and then move forward from there. Funny enough, I, I, I'm not great at keeping that window. People tend to just stay. Um, so I don't know, take that for what you will. Like we are, uh, we try to be very like protective of permanent spots up here because it is like the, the, the longevity of the program depends on who's here and what's going on, you know? So we try to be very careful with that decision process. But also, I don't know, like the world's going to hell. So like help where you can, we just bring people up. Like there's been emergencies that have blown us away. Uh, There there was somebody that was kind of abandoned in the woods up here, a trans lady um, abandoned in in a known white supremacist area at a campsite with absolutely no protection uh, and and a broken leg as as it turns out. And so we we got called and we, because she finally got signal on her phone and got a message out. Then one of our local contacts contacted us and we went and got her um, and then sent her on to Tennessee with her sister. But yeah, you like, you never know. And so we try to keep enough room open that we can facilitate emergencies and then also grow the community and we do try to be cautious but open-hearted I guess is the best way uh, that I've found and also like you know as long as you're all honest and like you're up front there is no situation you can't weather so even people that aren't a good fit can take something from the experience as long as you're committed to never putting somebody out onto the street like even if a, a person is toxic or not a good fit or just toxic to this situation or whatever, right? Making sure that before they leave, making sure that it isn't like a a decision. Yeah, like you make sure people have somewhere to go and you you put up with each other until they can go there. Like it's, that's the key. And that's worked for us. Uh, We're kind of honing all of that as we go. I I think that it should always be kind of a malleable system. Every case is different. Yeah, you adapt to the cases and to the resources you have. Yeah, yeah, because there is also that hard limit of like, can we all eat this year if we take more people? Right. I was curious about the ways you bring revenue into the ranch. I know y'all have alpacas and there was some yarn that was available for sale at the booth that I, I, I met y'all at. But what other ways do you have to bring revenue into the, the ranch? Oh, like tomorrow, well, yeah, this this is this will come out 
sorry. No, it's fine. Yeah. Information. So yeah, yeah. We try to keep our movement um, limited, but, but we're this, okay. This, yeah. this will be released like yeah, yeah. later. So tomorrow we'll be uh we do like odd jobs for uh people in a people that are liberal to left minded in the town and around the county. Like tomorrow we're gonna be doing some just like landscaping work, uh basically. And, and people are generally pretty especially in a rural area like this, uh, there's not like a burgeoning, like young population to do like that kind of job, that kind of work. And there's a lot of pretty well off uh, older people. Yeah. Like they can't do, do the work themselves. They anymore. can't really do the work themselves or they just don't want to, but yeah. they're pretty, they're willing to just like- They're willing to give you a living give wage. Give you a pretty good wage yeah. for that kind of work, so. And uh, we run like a pirate ship. We hmm. get, I, I interface, and find jobs and then we post them and people volunteer for them if we get enough volunteers to do the job i'll then contact uh the the person that needs the job done and we'll say yes and then uh the crew goes out does it and we all share in the mm -hmm. booty that's that's definitely how we kind of survived last winter pretty yep. much so. uh, and then we do uh so we have the yarn that's a big source of revenue for us. We do uh, sell t-shirts. Uh, we're now Super starting, and stickers, yeah, all that on the website, just fun stuff. Uh, and then we're now starting to feature some of the people that live here, some of their art on our website, um, be that jewelry or hand-drawn stuff. There is quite a bit of furry art coming that way because uh, there's quite a bit of furries. And, so it's, it's a hodgepodge. Everybody brings a different skill to the table and we try to utilize those skills to keep things going. Uh, and, and then also we're a 501c, we are a charity. Yeah. And so we, we solicit donations year round. We're, right now we're having a drive for our winter fund. Making it through the winter is always difficult. So we're doing a, a charity fundraiser drive or whatever for that at the moment. So there's always something going on like that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we'll be sure to put all those links for listeners that want to support y'all after this in the show notes. We were curious how y'all chose llamas and alpacas for your main livestock. And now I'm also curious, was that the case in the before your move? Or is that, I guess so, because the name is Tenacious Unicorn Ranch, which... Yeah, um, so... I mean, really, so we don't have any llamas, no, uh, not yet, some. we will. We were supposed to get some. Yeah, we were, we do, we had a couple of rescues coming and then they got diverted. We're 100% alpacas. We also have sheep at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, that's our other fiber herd. Yeah. And, uh, and then ducks and chickens, but those are just for the eggs. We'll go into meat production of those as soon as I can. We build the capacity. Yeah, we, we, we need a lot of like back-end work to do that. But we, you know, alpaca, it, like, so when you go through, like, the wool-bearing animals, you're like, okay, so I want an animal that, like, produces something that I can turn into clothing because I have animals that'll make food and I can also plant crops. So in that circle of sustainability, uh, you know, there's goats, there's sheep, and then there's llamas and, you know, all, and then there's alpaca, which, like, science says is the cutest animal on the planet and so who am i to argue with science I, and so we went with alpaca also once i really started digging into what uh, alpaca are a very easy introductory animal for people to learn ranching and that's what i want to do is i i, I want to bring career people and you know give them safety but also talent and, and something to carry with them from here uh, there are no 4-h uh, systems that accept queer people. And so passing that knowledge is a big part of what we do. And alpaca make that very easy. If harvested correctly, alpaca fiber uh, pays enough uh, to feed the alpaca for the year. Like you can break even, if you don't pay attention to your sales at all, you can break even very easily. And then also like just so much smarter than sheep. Yeah, they're, they're much, they're they're more fun to be around. Yeah. Uh, they're fundamental. Look, they're much more magical than you can like process without having spent time with them. They each have their own personality. Mm -hmm. If you sit with them, they really do. Like they come up and like, if you're feeling shitty, like they come up and like sit with you 
and just kind of exist in your world like they're pack animals so they're like super in tune to other beings you know Aww, that's, that's just these, absolutely lovely right yeah. yeah and their eyes are just big dark orbs of like love i don't know like um except when they're mad then they kick you and then they spit in your face which you know what fair um i do the same thing <laughs> and once i really kind of dug into all of that being true i also dug into the fact that there's a lot of people that created rather large herds of alpaca that are aging out and this generation like the, the wealth cap now has made it so that like my generation, uh, millennials and, and younger, we're, we're not ranching. We can't just take over mom's herd. But you, you know what I mean? And so uh, it does lead to like euthanization of entire herds or this glut of uh, alpacas needing to be adopted. And so... And then being uh, neglected. And then, and yeah, and then they're, they're in the rescue because uh, unfortunately, no matter how much you love your... 200 plus herd or whatever it is. Uh, another low flying C-130. Yeah. There's a military base in Colorado Springs, so we get flyovers all the time. It's annoying. But if you can't take care of them, like eventually like their, their weight starts to drop. And it, it, it's one of those like, we get herds that are severely underfed or have been ignored, you know, uh, and not on purpose, but because yeah. people are just in unable, physically unable, yeah. Or they've lost the loved one that was helping Which also out. goes back to building community. Exactly. But with community, right. that goes away. It's, you know. And so we take, our, our first herd intake was 76 animals from a, a, a situation like that. Uh, and that was in Livermore. We, we took that first in. And that dawning of like, oh, like we can just rescue alpaca. We don't even have to like breed or buy them. Like it's like inbuilt herds we take groups of animals not singles mm -hmm. and it, it's made it it's made it economically doable uh, under you know capitalism wow yeah that the term that sort of pops to mind with that is like regenerative ag agriculture which we usually think of in terms of the land and building back up the soil but actually building back up alpaca or building back up livestock from sort of yeah. the brink there that's just a really beautiful process i'm, yeah. I'm glad to hear about it it's it, it's like the there are you know regenerative ag uh, cattle herders and i follow some on twitter and i see what they're doing and compared to what a lot of the ranchers out here are doing it's like so different yeah if, if, you, if you care as a rancher it's a lot of effort but the payout is immediate and incredible you can see that with the native, there, there's a, uh, 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 Navajo. the Navajo up here have purchased a very large chunk of land and they're running a buffalo herd or a bison herd. I don't remember which one. Um, one of them's extinct, right? Like that's, and they are like, you pass there, the fields are greener than anywhere else. Mm -hmm. The herds are just, I, I, I don't know. You, you can tell when somebody gives a shit, like I think it's yeah. when it comes to and alpaca poop uh, back. This and, actually ties into the previous yep. question. Alpaca poop is very, very good for uh, composting. Yeah. Oh, so awesome. We can sell it for as well. Yeah. So, or just selling as manure. And, and right, yeah, as manure. But typically we keep it, we have 40 acres to revitalize because mm. it was raised rather harshly before we got here. And now, so now we have to kind of like, it, it is the high desert. So. Yeah, we don't have to like build up our. So pasture. we're building soil and the alpaca poop is amazing yeah. at it yeah yeah we're on some land here that's been for a long time was cotton and tobacco monocrop so it's very tired needing way more love than we realize to make it yeah. uh, able to produce anything and so that's been part of our process but we don't have alpacas to give us fresh organic yeah. compost but yeah, yeah, a little bit of chicken. We've talked about uh, farming guinea pig at some point. I feel like that is could be a sustainable meat product. Um, yeah, for sure. Chicken rabbit, super cute. Yeah. Also super cute. Um, so they have those points as well. <laughs>
Chickens, cover all the bases. chickens are great because they can be cute, but they're not like mammal cute. Yeah, they're a different kind of I don't feel bad killing a chicken. Yeah. But yeah, guinea pigs is another. I think we did talk about that. We talked about guinea pigs. Like, and, it's, and then, you know, like Angora bunny. But I think. That, but yeah, chickens are really good integrating into a compost system, especially. It's really so, if you can get a chicken tractor yeah. and run it through your fields. Yeah. We had a, a chicken tragedy unfortunately mm. which don't want to make this episode no, about me about about y'all's project but our first flock had a highly communicative disease that would get into yeah. the other follicles and you can't put chickens back out on the same land and through a really ha um terrible series of events we have one rooster right now who refuses to die and we refuse to kill him and he yeah. probably has this disease and we're just waiting for I don't know a red-tailed hawk to get him or something that's what we keep something. hoping but yeah so we're like delayed on restocking our chicken flock but looking forward to it when it can happen nope, I understand yeah it, you know and that is like that is the gist of farming and ranching is there's things like that that crop up that are just so like what the fuck but like that's nature it just happens and we had a coyote wipe out our first flock of chickens probably a coyote too but there was a fox for sure no that we, oh, with the second batch we oh, lost a second yeah we lost yeah, like 20 right. of I them forgot about the old yeah. was chickens are hard to keep alive everything yeah. eats fucking chickens when they, like, when they get like old enough they're mostly fine yep except that's, and then diseases disease. come in and like yeah it's we we some a rancher here brought in a bloodborne disease with his cattle because he didn't vaccinate or screen properly and it killed it killed a 20 of our sheep like it, like oh, no. we were getting blood work done we were frantic we were like why are our sheep just fucking dying and he hadn't put it out he hadn't like made that public and so it was our vet that ended up being like i, I you know i did some digging and this is what's happening and so then we were oh. able to get them on the right antibiotic or whatever and saved you know everybody else but shit like it just happens like you know that is just the ranching life well that kind of leads into the question i was going to ask next with what have been some of the challenges of starting up and maintaining the ranch but uh i don't know if y'all want to talk about any other particular challenges that you've faced i mean i think the biggest one we've kind of touched on a little bit already is like the social aspect when it's kind of more a commune sort of situation it, it people are in tight quarters people have been kind of in one mindset for, uh, you know way of framing the world and understanding and interacting with each other that was maybe worked in like more the more capitalist framework but when bringing it into an attempt to break away from that it's not as helpful causes conflict and things like that so Definitely the number one is the social side of it and just kind of working out like not avoiding conflict, but actually like dealing with it in a productive uh, conflict resolution kind of manner. And that's still, that's an ongoing process, but we're, we definitely like improved a lot even just recently. So. Yeah. And it's one of those things that will never not be an obstacle or a, a hurdle because you, know, you introduce new people, people grow and change and, you know. Well, different ideologies and frameworks. Yeah. You know. it, it just, it, it's an ongoing process of understanding one another, accepting one another and talking with one another. Like it's, I think it's a huge, huge part of this. I cannot stress enough. Uh, if you're like, th this kind of endeavor takes being honest with those around you. like. As long as everybody's being straight up and really honest, that it you can't go wrong. Oh, and vent. Like, yeah. pick a friend, vent off before you go talk. Like, that's um, get all that stupid anger and ego out of the way, and go have a real conversation. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, there was like the people that tried to like ongoingly. I guess uh, there, there was some people that did come onto the property armed. There, there's been a lot of a lot of fascists. Uh, just trying to get rid of us or shut us up or that kind of thing. I think that any any anything that's rooted in like, I mean, anything like trans and out of the normal and, you know, like uh, is going to, in this day and age, 
garnish the, the punishment of violence, I guess. You're um, going to become the local representative for everything that, like, Fox News tells them to hate. Yeah, yeah. It, it becomes really quick if you're, I don't know, like you know, like, whatever lines they draw, if you're a leftist, if you're an anarchist, if you're Antifa, like, um, however they can categorize you as bad enough to harm you. Yeah. Um, and so that has been a major, you know, stumbling block. There's entire websites dedicated to making the life of trans people harder, and they've definitely played a part. So that's always, it's a risk you take with anything, I guess. I mean, especially if you're not you know, a cis white male. Like, I think that there's a risk involved there. But, and then, you know, fi financial is always Thank really, finances are a never-ending struggle. The, the, the key is to involve everybody and, and make sure that everybody's on board with everything and then just share accounts and make sure that, again, it comes down to honesty, like, we'll make sure that everybody's in it together, but that it's, it, you know, like we didn't start rich. We didn't start knowing that it would succeed. <laughs> um, so being, you know, finding somebody that like can stomach numbers is a big deal. We're still looking like I'm, I'm a rancher. I don't like, you know, it's not my thing. But, 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 but like, you, can, you know, with your community, I have a business it. background. And so, yeah. like, yeah, it, so you with, know, with your community, you can kind of like, crowdsource that to an extent yeah like you know if everybody's pitching in things become a shit and even hard to understand things if three heads are trying to understand it uh it becomes a lot more doable i mean like all of the adversity the answer is always like listen more and be better at community and that's yeah that, that's what we strive for every day but it isn't without like don't do this and i like you gotta be crazy you guys just be crazy you gotta want it really bad it, but it really is, even through the adversity, it's worth it. Like, you know, yeah, none of this should dissuade you. Yeah. And there's just like your typical challenges, just like the physicality of it. Yeah, um, like there's, there, if if it's a blizzard, you got to get on the roof and scrape off the snow so the barn roof doesn't collapse. Yeah. Uh, that sucks doing that at 2 a.m., you know, like it, it fucking sucks. But you got to do it because, you know, like that's where your babies are. So, and, and you know, like, up here we're in the mountains pulling people out of a snowdrift that is a tuesday you know like it happens so routinely you, you do have to be like ready yeah no it's it's a rough life living like outside of like that comfort zone oh, like everything that like city life right is like made to shield you from it does a really good job of it like all the inconveniences of weather and growing and providing your own food being off-grid, being responsible for your own power grid, crazy obstacle, okay. especially if you're continually adding people because power grids like solar systems and generators are set up very specifically for a certain amount of people doing certain things. Mm -hmm. And if you fluctuate that, it gets really, really difficult to figure out like how much power you need. And then you end up running the generator more, which is like defeating the purpose of you being off-grid. And it's so, and then we run our wells, so we don't have city water. You know, when you really say, fuck it, I want to do this myself. Like when you really say like, I'm like, no more, like I'm ungovernable. Fuck you. I'm doing this on my own. Like it, it, there is a lot that rises up out of that. That is like, oh shit. Like this is, this is why people live in the city, right? Like this is, this is why, because this sucks. <laughs> but it's really rewarding on the other end of it. Like it really, really is. If we want good Thai food or something like that, we gotta we gotta learn how to make it ourselves. Yeah, we'd have to make it, or like it's a three-hour trip to yeah. Denver. <laughs> well, that brings me to my other side of that question, which was, what are the highlights of the ranch life? I mean, honestly, like every just about every sunrise and sunset is a highlight because, like, the way there's something about, I guess, the atmospheric conditions around the mountains that just makes them almost every good night day gorgeous well and we're certified dark sky out yeah. here one of two places in the so world the most it the is milky way is just bigger you can see colors in the milky way at night it is insane it's gorgeous. Uh, but it makes it, it makes existing out here very like oh shit like i'm i'm small like yeah. this doesn't 
Like, I'm just going to live my life. Like, this doesn't matter. You like, set up any observatory. Yeah, at some point. The alpaca, we have almost 200 magical beings that jump around our property all day long. Oh, they literally sometimes will do the, like, they Disney, prance. like, prance. Yeah, like, it is, like, so, so it is amazing. And then we have 18 babies this year, and watching 18 baby Kriya, baby alpaca, have zoomies around their pen all together in just this haphazard ball of fluff. You can't tell me like that is who gets to experience that in their life. You know, uh, we had puppies, which we kept four of, and they're just our dogs now. Like we just have more dogs. Like I don't like, uh, it's amazing. Our, our neighbor had cats and she couldn't keep them all. I mean, we already had five, but we just took two more because kittens, I don't know. And like, that was amazing. So I, the upside and then community too, yeah. and not to mention like there's 12, 13 of us up here, uh, plus guests most of the time, you don't like, nobody up here like suffers from a lack of community or is left behind if they're having a bad day. That's a huge uptick. No boss, like we, we are our own bosses. So like I have a stomach condition. So there's, a, there's some days and so when I need to take a day off, like I just tell my friends, hey, I'm not doing well today. Can you can you cover for me and do my chores? And then people do it because they love you. You, you know what I mean? Like that's something that I think, yeah, I think that that's something that society has forgotten is that we're like, when you have people around you helping and taking care of you, life is so much better and you need so much less like your own transportation and your own food and your own fridge and like when when you're part of this whole you can get taken care of in a way that like i, I don't think most people remember like, I, it's the way we've been for most of human society but we've just moved away from it so you know like n nothing especially, wrong with that people want to do what they want to do like white western culture yeah i was gonna say like white people have kind of yeah. ruined that sense of community <laughs> And so to reclaim that and just kind of be a part of it is a big deal. So that's definitely been uh, the highlights. I don't know, like top 10 or whatever. Yeah, I I see all the adorable pictures you post on social media of the baby alpaca. And it makes my heart sing to see these adorable little creatures. We wanted to know if there was any sort of I mean, you all touched on this a little bit, but any political, spiritual, or philosophical grounding to the community, or do you see it more as a practical matter of survival and mutual support? Um, I, I do think that it is a practical matter of survival and support, and nobody would be, no, nobody's turned away because of, I, I mean, like, look, if you, like, if you support Trump and you're a fucking Nazi, you can't come up here, and I don't feel bad about that. But, but like, if you're homeless and you're trans and you need a place to, like, and we have space for you, I, I'm not saying no. Like, you know, but we are anarchists. We tend to attract anarchists pretty loud about the fact that we're anarchists. It's, it's huh. definitely a range of, you know, sub-grouping in that ideology, but yeah. it tends to be the dominant, like, strain. Yeah, at least like suspicious of the government and not like not and liberally, not, not liberally not, so not li leftist yeah. so. And also suspicious of like hierarchy and centralized power. And if you don't understand or believe in land back, you're probably not going to do well up here either. Like that's just part of it. And then most of us, a large contingent yeah. of us, are pagan or pagan leaning or atheist. And I think that that just comes with the territory I, I don't know like we don't scream for that either you know like yeah. uh christian people are certainly welcome oh, you know? i mean a lot of queer people came from you know catholic or protestant churches and lost their faiths and that yeah. because of various reasons and then yeah. you know like i i know i went through my angry atheist phase and then i like kind of pulled down that and now i'm at the kind of more secular animism you know area and yeah, I don't know. I think that's a pretty like re pretty representative like kind of backstory as far as like people's religious beliefs generally, and kind of where we're at as a community. How many people are usually living out there? Like, what's how large is your community, and do y'all all live together in one household, or is it 
sort of spread out? Yeah, so we uh, we had to get creative this year. We took in five more permanent residents. We weren't really prepared to do that, but we made it work. We have three trailers, the main house, and then also a tent. It's a year-round kind of like heavy-duty canvas explorer's tent. And between all of those structures, we have 12 people on average. We do act as like a hub for people they're like living in their van or just kind of like uh, nomadic. And so people stop in regularly and spend a couple of days or up to a week as just kind of auxiliary yeah. to the ranch, helping out with stuff. And it's you know, a nice place to just be a rest from your trip. And yeah. And like not be afraid. Like, you know, like yeah. a lot of van life people that are like queer, there's like kind of a constant fear. Whereas up here that can go away for a minute. So like 12 people on average, but and that fluctuates never more than 20. Except for like two days during Shirapalooza. Oh yeah, and we do a Shirapalooza every year. It's three days now three. because of the increased herd where we, we do an open gate and everybody comes up. Last year we had like 50 plus. This year we're gonna we're we're, we're gonna put in music, like we're gonna have a live we thing. Get queer artists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to play music and then we'll make it a three-day. Uh, we do. We cook all the food. We bring kegs. Like it's super fun. I think my friend Tanya Song came and visited y'all because oh, she yeah, sent Tanya, me pictures. Yeah, yeah she's going to be on the yeah, podcast yeah, yeah. too. So hopefully, yeah. if if she comes out and performs, you know I'm going to be there. <laughs> I've been bugging her. Like uh, it was so nice. She did so good at BLFC. Oh my god, she did so good. But we've been bugging her like about it already because I want it lined up. But yeah, okay, yeah, no promises, no promises. <laughs> yeah, her performance at Biggest Little Furcon was so phenomenal. I was like, I am friends with somebody who's such an incredible musician because on top of, right. and this is gushing about Tanya, I'll have to tell her again that she, we can she do, gets we mentioned. Whole, whole podcast gushing about Tanya. <laughs> but she, she actually has a master's degree in music theory. And so she knows composing and uh, classical music, but she also is to Hono Otom and she goes to powwows and she sings in Spanish and she has a queer cumbia song, which yeah. I'm so excited excited to get interview her and we're gonna have her play her song and then she's gonna get to talk about it so yeah yeah that's a treat that's a treat for everybody yeah that's amazing so speaking of like musical projects what about y'all like other than the sharepalooza what other things do you have going on at the ranch i mean uh there's always there's always a lot we uh we wrapped filming on the documentary with Ash Christ or Ash Coyote, and we're now filming far-reaching day-to-day um, thing. Uh, yeah, we don't know what it's going to be, but we're filming a lot now with with Ash uh, doing an, a, a, an additional project. Um, so that's that, that's a big on the horizon. We are fencing the entirety of the property off. We are planning a barn for next year. Um, a gr- we have a greenhouse in progress. I'm trying to get our weed grow up. Yeah. And then uh, beekeeping, mushrooms. Beekeeping. Okay. Yeah, the mushrooms is another big one. As far as revenue goes, like being able to sell mushrooms is a big deal. Yeah. Like if you can grow shiitakes and, and just like nail them. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, with our shiitakes. Like, yeah, local restaurants. Uh, we're, we're really stoked uh, about the possibilities there. We are working on a land back project in um, Arizona right now. And we're hoping to get a, a second Tenacious Unicorn Ranch running there, but it will be completely indigenous owned and operated. Um, we'll just help where they need us. Yeah. Um, but that will be a queer indigenous haven completely indigenous owned and run and we're really excited to just be a part of it like uh, you know not our idea uh people came to us and we're we're stoked like we're really really excited that's on the horizon the uh i don't know i'm hoping for an uneventful winter really like to be honest like i just i like it's been so go 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 this year we, we increased the herd by almost 100 alpaca we added five people to the ranch and we were attacked by extremists. So like if we just have like a month of 
like nothing like where just nothing happens yeah. <laughs> i'm looking i'm hoping for that but as far as big projects go there's a lot on the horizon there's, yeah there's so much more like we'd be here all night listing <laughs> yeah with as many people as we have it's really yeah. like one of those situations where we can do we, we probably have 10 plates spinning right now but we have you know 15 people that can just kind of do it you know so there's there's always something happening that's awesome that is i'm i'm really excited for this indigenous owned queer ranch in arizona do you know where in arizona we have not settled on a location yet um Uh we are that that is location is really difficult and coordinating that kind of thing through many states while we're trying to bring people together to like get it going is logistically it's just going to take a little while but we're uh we're moving forward on it we got a couple of spots that we're looking at so cool cool i lived in arizona for seven years so i know the state fairly well (laughs) oh hell yeah nice nice yeah so how can we support the ranch or if our listeners are interested in supporting y'all and finding out more information where can they go for that um so we do have a website tenaciousunicornranch.com we're also on Twitter at Tenacious, Tenacious Ranch. I have, we have an Instagram. We're on Facebook. Um, we do have a GoFundMe going right now. You can go to GoFundMe Tenacious Unicorn Ranch. Yeah, we have a Patreon. Now, our Patreon is run by somebody a little bit newer to the ranch, Neptune, and he has stepped it up. There's like multiple posts a day, completely original content it's the patreon is popping off it is amazing really cute photos and a lot of behind the scenes stuff which is fun and then uh, on the website we are also open for tours seven days a week sunset to sundown anytime we just ask for 24-hour notice or you can go onto the website go to the contact us section shoot me a message i handle all of those messages tell me you want to visit Uh, i'll give you my number we'll set something up get you on the schedule and then you can just come and meet all the alpaca anytime you want or can make it out here it's super fun i do a lot of hiking and foraging in the mountains too so people can also like mention that if they're interested in yeah we we've now had a couple of people come out and do like a hike in the morning with jay and then do the tour when you come back and kind of have dinner with the ranch and chill for a minute Mm -hmm. it's a great day and we love to have you so like come on out it's a free dinner if nothing else yeah I would love to. I, I definitely enjoy Tanya posting pictures when she came out and visited y'all. So I, I hope to to visit y'all perhaps with Inku at some point because Colorado in the summertime is wonderful. Oh, in the winter, yeah. not so much. No, we, we, we stoke up the fire and stay inside. Like that's yeah. In, in summer, mushroom season is amazing. Yeah. There are bulking bully mushrooms, literally that. Um, I don't know if you're listening like to the podcast, dinner like plus a, a dinner plate plus like um, a foot wide. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Those King Bolites. Yeah. I actually go foraging too a lot. I haven't had right. any luck this year for Shant. I've, I've been getting out and trying to get chanterelles, but I've known yeah. that Colorado has an incredible mushroom culture and I am yeah. very excited yeah. to get out there and, and forage at some yeah. point. So that would be great. That would be amazing. Thank you all so much for being on this episode with us. We really enjoyed speaking with y'all. And when your documentary comes out with Ash Coyote, it would be great to have y'all back on to talk about it. And maybe I can uh, also have Ash on and we can talk about the process of making the film and like what the intentions are. That would be really cool. Well, and she was here. She completely unrelated like we've just gotten to know her she started coming up to film just kind of a, a day in, a day in the life of the ranch and then the siege happened where, where the extremists hit and she just happened to fucking be here with her camera and so that whole thing is on film uh and that wow. is what the documentary is going to be is that entire time period because uh, she was basically embedded with us that is that is wild wow yeah Uh, it's gonna be crazy amazing too because like she's an amazing human she put down the camera and picked up a gun many a night and stood watch with us she's she's an amazing human she was the director and producer of another documentary i had referenced in a previous 
episode on uh, the furry fandom called the fandom. And so I recommended it for anyone who was like curious about the fandom, because that was the first documentary to come out by a filmmaker that was actually a member of the fandom. And I feel like she, she did such a phenomenal job. It's like one of my favorite as a member of the community myself. So, but uh, yeah, again, thank you all so much for coming on and we really enjoyed speaking with y'all and I wish you a very uneventful winter. <laughs> thank you, you thank too. You. Yeah, it was so lovely yeah. meeting you. Yeah. Thanks for having us on. Yeah. yeah, awesome. All right, well, thank you all. Thank you. Many, many thanks to the Tenacious Unicorn Ranch for coming on the show. We hope to have them back once Ash Coyote releases the documentary that we mentioned in the interview. Ooh, that's exciting. It is really exciting. I'll put the teaser of it on the show notes so folks can check it out. Excellent. On our next episode, we'll be talking about the sociological and ecological fitness conferred by the holiday spirit. And we'll be talking about the Kaliak, Crone of Winter, and other myths of the dark time of the year beyond just Western concepts of Santa Claus. If you have any thoughts, questions, comments, feel free to email us at questions at sciencewitchpodcast.com. You can also find us on social media at sciencewitchpodcast on Instagram and Facebook and on Twitter at sciencewitchpod. Also, we have the website sciencewitchpodcast.com. Until next time, live long and prosper. And blessed be.